0: Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning to you, wherever you are tuning in from. Uh, Welcome to the first of the 2023 Facebook Neurology for Vets Live Journal Club webinars. Um, So uh, these webinars are sponsored by Hallmark Advanced Veterinary Imaging. We're very grateful for this. Thank you very much, Hallmark. Um, If you have not joined us before for one of these webinars, um, this is a very informal format where we invite young stars of the veterinary profession to share with us their uh, recent neuroimaging publications. And today we are uh, very pleased to welcome uh, Dr. Guillaume Dutille. Did I do okay there? Um, was that okay? Yeah, perfect. So, so, uh, but So, no, not perfect. Usually I, I, I apologize. I, I'm not very good at um, uh, people's names, but I, I'll, I'll have another go, Dr. Guillaume Dutille. Um, So welcome, um, Dr. Dutille graduated from veterinary school at the University of Lyon, France in 2016 where he also did a rotating small animal internship and a doctoral thesis focused on anticonvulsant toxicity in dogs and cats. Um, Guillaume uh, completed a specialized internship in neurology at the University of Bern in Switzerland. Um, So hello to all of our friends there. Um, and that was done in 2018 and then followed by a residency in neurology and two until 2022 um, and at, um, at the same time, Dr. Zutile worked part-time, um, not enough apparently to do so worked part-time um, in a veterinary practice in Nantes uh, in, uh, called Atlantia and also at the veterinary school of Nantes in France, um, where he currently works full-time. Um, today, Dr. Dutile will discuss his uh, most recent publication, investigating the MRI characteristics of otitis Interna in cats with and without meningeal enhancement. So, um, thank you very much, uh, Guillaume, for for being with us today. And I'm going to hand the show over to you.
1: Thank you, Simon. Uh, Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here with you. And also, thank you, Laurent, for that and Hallmark. Um, so hi, everybody. I will present you to, today this um, this study that we published uh, just in January in the GFMS about otitis media interna with or without polyps in cats um, and their association with meningeal enhancement on post-contrast MRI, CSF uh, findings, and also clinician treatment choice and outcome. So, for the background, uh, you all know that otitis media interna is a common inflammatory disorder that we can uh, find in cats, and sometimes they are associated with a polyp, and otitis interna is leading to vestibular disease. You also see sometimes on MRI meningeal enhancement, um, this uh, finding is um, unclear about the clinical and therapeutical. Implication that uh, we can have for this in MRI for any uh, disease Um, and generally the recommendation or indication that you can have from uh, a a diagnostic imaging people is to tap the the animal. uh, But sometimes a clinician does it or sometimes they don't. So for this study, basically uh, it started when we get uh, a case of Otitis media interna. You can imagine if there is a polyp or not, and I was wondering my, myself uh, if I don't see any meningeal enhancement, do I have to tap it or not? And that was really the question that I asked myself. So I asked uh, also my mentor as mentors in bern and I could get either yes or either either no. So I was like, okay, there is nothing clear about that, but. Also, when there is meningeal enhancement, does it change something? Do we have to tap them more or not? So that's why we did this study at the beginning. So uh, the aims was first to describe if there were any association between meningeal enhancement and CSF. That was the main uh, topic at the beginning. And then um, we started to discuss about maybe there is also an association between the bacteriology culture results and meningeal enhancement or the same for the CSF, uh, abnormal CSF findings. And also uh, if these bacteriology results can lead to a change or adaptation of the therapy uh, for the cats from the clinician. So the hypothesis where that meningeal enhancement is associated with uh, abnormal CSF findings, we also uh, thought that either a meningeal enhancement or a CSF abnormality can lead to a more often positive bacteriological culture or bacteriology results can also lead to an adaptation of the therapy by the clinician. So for the material and methods that we get, it was a retrospective study. Uh, We just collected cases from 2010 to 2020. Um, We asked uh, several um, centers uh, to help us. So we were six in the study and I would like to thank all the co-authors of the the study that helped me a lot uh, for this article and also for the cases that they share with us. Then, for the inclusion criteria that we used, uh, it was CATS. Um, then, we looked for cases that had a peripheral vestibular neural localization. We also looked for cases from MRI that were compatible with otitis media interna with or without polyp. And, of course, that they should have uh, also post-contrast uh, sequences. Um, we looked also for cases that had CSF analysis. Uh, no intraaxial lesion, so that was also uh, a criteria that was really important for this uh, study. And then we collected uh, the signalment, the history, uh, treatment, uh, if it was prior and also after the, the referral, uh, which, size were, uh, which side were the, the vestibular syndrome. Uh, then we collected the MRI images and reports, the CSF findings, the bacteriology results uh, from the affected ear, and then we looked also uh, at the outcome. So for the results, uh, for the signalment and history, we collected 50. Eight cats. Uh, 32 of them were domestic short hair, that, that was really the, the main breed. For the sex ratio, you can see uh, in blue there is male, and in pink it's female, and in pale blue and pink it's uh, nutrient um, patients. Uh, so it's quite balanced uh, in our population. And the mean age was uh, 6.9 years. And also you can see that uh, there were really young uh, cats, but also uh, old cats were represented. Um, And then for these cases, there were 37 acute cases and 21 chronic. And we uh, use uh, these chronic cases if the um, clinical signs were lasting for more than two weeks. From these cases, 32 uh, receive a medical treatment before the presentation, so before the referring. Um, You can see all the different uh, therapies, so nine of them just receive uh, antimicrobials uh, therapy, nine with uh, corticosteroids also, and eight with NSAIDs. Uh, Two receive both corticosteroids and NSAIDs and also antimicrobials, uh, five only corticosteroids and one only NSAIDs. From these values uh, there, there was not really a consequence on the time to presentation, meaning that um, even if they get this therapy, there was not really a difference uh, before they come to the the referral center. For the diagnosis that we get, uh, there were 13 polyps. Uh, Six were diagnosed by histology uh, after surgery two were visualized during bulla osteotomy, two during myringotomy, and two were only suspected by MRI. So all of them had MRI suspicion, uh, of course, but then there were more or less more steps to confirm that it could be a polyp. And the same for otitis media interna, so uh, 45 cases were suspected of otitis media interna, three with histology, 3 only with visualization during bulla osteotomy, 26 from miringotomy, and uh, I think 12 um, during MRI, I cannot really see, I will show, 13, sorry, uh, were only suspected um, with the MRI. So just to show you uh, an example of cases, so this case uh, was uh, notitis um, media interna uh, without meningial enhancement. So um, you can appreciate here, it's T1 pre-contrast and T1 post-contrast, and you can see, so the the bula here with this T1 uh, hyper-intensity, and then you can uh, compare pre And post-contrast images, and you cannot really see uh, this meningeal enhancement. Um, and on this case, it was a bilateral one, and you can really appreciate here that there is a, a strong meningeal enhancement here, and also uh, enhancement of the vestibulocochlear and facial nerve uh, on these sides. Then we look at the results between the meningial enhancement and the CSF. So we get 26 cases with meningial enhancement, nine of them had an abnormal CSF findings, meaning cell count uh, was abnormal or um, there was albuminocytologic dissociation. So it's both considered abnormal. And then uh, 17 of them had a normal uh, CSF findings. So it means that 65% of uh, the cases with meningeal enhancement had a normal CSF finding. The same, we get 32 cases without meningeal enhancement. Ten of them had an abnormal CSF, and 22 had a normal CSF finding. So 31% of the cases without meningeal enhancement had an abnormal CSF uh, result. So, then I use the table uh, from the article. So, just to um, show you a bit more clearly, because here you can see that there is acute and chronic cases and you get either CSF uh, that was a with the CSF plus uh, or normal with the CSF minus and also for meningial enhancement. If it's present, it's with the plus and absent with the minus. Um, and just to make it clearer for you, I. Just remove the part of the CSF and then you can get, for example, for meningeal enhancement uh, when it's acute or chronic. And you can see that this was statistically significant. Um, So cases with chronic presentation uh, were more likely to get... meningeal uh, enhancement. Um, no, sorry, I, I, I just mixed it up. It was with the CSF, sorry. So, with the CSF, it's the wrong p-value, sorry. So, with the CSF, you can see here, it's really clear um, that you can get, uh, with chronic cases, really uh, less frequently an abnormal CSF compared to the cases with acute presentation. That it's not 50-50, but it's really close from the findings. So, this was the significant p-value. But then, for the Mininger announcement, that was not significant. Um, but here you can see also this uh, these numbers that were qu- quite similar. Um, then we also looked at the treatment before uh, the referral and therefore before the MRI. Uh, and we looked if there, wa- there was any association with the findings and the anti-inflammatory drugs. So when they receive anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, it's on the left side uh, here. And when they don't, they didn't, uh, it's on the right side. Um, and you can see also, it's again with CSF and meningeal enhancement, but uh, the cases with uh, CSF uh, uh, abnormal CSF and abnormal mening- or meningial enhancement uh, that receive anti-inflammatory drugs. There were three cases and you can see that uh, even with this uh, anti-inflammatory, um, they could also get uh, an, an, a normal CSF findings and uh, uh, no meningial enhancement also. And these values were not statically uh, significant. Uh, Then we also looked at the presence, um, if the polyp uh, was present or not. So again, it's the the same presentation with uh, CSF um, and meningial enhancement. And also for this um, uh, value uh, of polyp or absent polyp, there were uh, no, it was not statically significant uh, with our cases. So from our first hypothesis, We can say that the meningeal enhancement that we can see on MRI is not related to more abnormal CSF findings. uh, And we can also add that uh, we can find abnormal CSF even if there is no meningeal enhancement. So that was really uh, something that we were not expecting. Um, If we discuss a bit with what was previously described uh, in the literature, uh, we looked basically on cases with intraaxial lesion because there was not really a presentation of cases without intraaxial lesion um, and you can see that when there is a lesion um, intraaxial lesion you are really more likely to get abnormal CSF results um, and if we look just in one um, uh, article uh, that was uh doing the difference between acute uh, and, uh, and chronic cases. And there, they also add uh, a difference between these acute uh, subacute cases and chronic cases. So for them, it was not uh, statistically significant um, because there was not a lot of cases. But that was the case for, uh, from intraaxial lesion also. So maybe that's something uh, important to uh, remind. Um, Then we look at uh, bacterial culture from uh, these cases. So 45 cases had uh, bacterial culture, uh, 13 from Bula osteotomy. 28 for myringotomy and all, only four from external ear canal um, directly. Uh, it was negative in 33 cases, and you can directly see that uh, if they receive antimicrobial t- antimicrobial therapy before sampling, um, it was uh, still uh, 39% of the cases uh, that were negative. And it was positive for 12 cases, and seven of them, so nearly 60%, also receive antimicrobial therapy before sampling. So that's something also important to to remind. Um, I uh, took again the the table from the article, so um, you can see here with the meningial enhancement, again when it's present or absent, and with the the culture, so if it's positive or negative with all uh, sampling. um, And also here with the CSF and you can see that there is that's also not statistically significant. Sorry. Um, so yeah, that's a bit more details uh, about all the the way that the bacteriology was was done. But yeah, we, we don't um, we, we just mix them uh, all together because we, we don't have any uh, enough cases to do it just with one uh, site of um, uh, of uh, culture then Something interesting is that uh, if there was no meningeal enhancement plus an unremarkable CSF, 12% of the cases at a positive bacterial culture. So only 12%, if you don't have any meningeal enhancement or CSF abnormalities, it's quite low. And you can maybe expect that the bacteriology results would be uh, negative if it's the case. So that was not significant. Uh, I will show you that just after. But that's something um, also that was interesting uh, as a finding. Uh, and there was no difference between acute or chronic cases for the results of bacteriology. Com- compared to the, the CSF results previously. So, an abnormal meningial enhancement or CSF result is not a good indicator for bacteriology results uh, with um, our cases. So, as I told you, um, the first information is maybe interesting uh, for the, the practice. Uh, but then uh, we also uh, draw uh, something, and you will you will see afterwards with the the outcome uh, and the therapy but uh, it's really remind us that we probably need to alter the antimicrobial ter- treatment uh, if the culture results are negative. So that's that's not uh, something that would be unlikely so we really have to remind that. Um, and something that was not discussed in the article uh, it's maybe good to perform this bacteriology culture even if the cat already receive antibiotics. Um, that's Maybe something uh, for me, I I have to say, probably I would say, well, uh, he he already received antimicrobial, so I'm not sure that I should send um, bacteriology culture, but definitely with uh, our cases, that's something that we should do. So. For the antimicrobial therapy, it was started in 26 cases before the referral and 28 uh, just started after the referral. I also don't go into details with the first and second line um, antibiotics. It's uh, in the article, but we didn't discuss so much this aspect here. And um, we can uh, see um, the, the choice now of the therapy So, meaning you get uh, the MRI and the CSF results and the bacteriology culture, and you look um, what was uh, placed as therapy from the clinician. So, that's the the interesting part also for us. And you can see that for meningeal enhancement, um, the anti-inflammatory drugs, that that was not really different uh, based on the meningeal enhancement. From the CSF results, here, there is a tendency. Um, it's not significant. The only thing that was significant, uh, if you want to, to to do a bit of statistic, is um, if we just um, consider corticosteroids or something else, meaning NSAIDs or nothing, so then you can get these values, and this was statistically significant, but we didn't Put that uh, on the article because then you can do statistics from whatever you want. So, so just for your information, that that was something maybe that could have uh, be important also. And then for uh, the culture also, that was not statistically significant, the use of uh, anti-inflammatory drugs. Um, Then we looked at the length of therapy, um, and um, you can see here when um, it was uh, a positive uh, or or negative, then you can just look at the weeks uh, under therapy. So um, this was different from uh, these cases. When it's negative, there is a trend to be a bit shorter, but that was not statistically significant for uh, the three, um, the the culture, the CSF and the meningial enhancement results. So we said that it could change the therapy strategy, but that was um, not uh, significant. Then we look at the outcome, and for the outcome, we can get, uh, we define the good outcome as an improvement of clinical science. Uh, and so two cases had an euthanasia f- several months after the diagnosis, but unrelated to the disease. Uh, for example, one was, uh, was a carcinoma, so definitely nothing related to the otitis. Um, and pro- poor outcome were, were defined as a lack of improvement or an euthanasia from uh, These patients, Um, and again here you can see that there is not really uh, something significant um, from this result, but we don't get a lot of cases. Um, So what we can maybe say is that if there is meningeal announcements, maybe they tend to get poorer outcome um meaning here it's approximately 25% of the cases and here it's only 12 but definitely um there is probably not enough cases to to say something like that uh, the cases with bulla osteotomy had a really good outcome uh, and then that were medically managed uh, had a bit less uh, good outcome. Uh, th- th- there was no euthanized patient in the bulla osteotomy group and with the medical uh, management there were four uh, and also one uh, that was intermittent and was euthanized really long time after for seizure-like episodes. So... We don't really know uh, if it was something um, something related or not to the otitis. We consider it as related to the otitis. Um, so to conclude, uh, I will just draw some interesting findings that we get. Uh, so meningial enhancement was present in 45% of the cases. So that's uh, nearly the half, the, uh, the half of it of them. of the cases showed a discrepancy between meningeal enhancement and CSF, so that's really something important. Uh, The CSF results may may influence the anti-inflammatory drug's choice, but does not appear to change significantly antimicrobial therapy duration, so that's also uh, something important to know. Um, And chronic cases had fewer abnormal CSF findings. And again, it's not discussed in the article, but I just add that that's positive bacterial culture, even if under microbials could be a, a, a good uh, a good thing to do. The limitation, of course, uh, it was a retrospective study. Uh, there was an exclusion of uh, of. Cases, the, the one without MRI, so just CT for otitis, sometimes it's uh, it's also good to do only a CT, so uh, they were excluded. Also, the cases that did not uh, get CSF TAP, and that's also maybe common from some uh, neurologists, so definitely that's a limitation. Also, the one with intraaxial lesion were removed from the study. Um, and from the MRI, uh, we discussed a lot about reviewing all of them and doing another... Um, another uh, report or let's say just uh, blinded the the diagnostic imaging people and say well do you see any manager enhancement or not but because the reports were already performed by um, diplomates then we said we could trust them thanks for your attention and then if you have any question i'm happy to answer to
2: them Thank you very much, Guillaume, for this presentation. To me, this presentation is exactly what I enjoy, which is, you know, as neurologists, um, the way we train, we tend to do things really like um, by habitus, you know? So we always told you need to do this, this and that without challenging it. Um, And I like any study that challenges what we tend to do. Um, And I think that's a good example, you know, whether or not we should do CSF on this case and does it change anything? I think a similar example would be a dog with you know the so-called generalized tremor and whether or not doing CSF um influence what we're going to do. And in this dog, if you know there is no known you know, toxin exposure, if you roll out metabolic disease, um then whether or not the CSF through so an inflammatory process doesn't seem to me to change what you're going to do because it end up being immunosuppressed. So that's you know similar. Concept and, and I really like, you know, this kind of, um, of study like like you did. Um, a few questions. One that I wanted to ask you before I, I put the question from the audience. Did any of these patients had um, culture on the CSF or not?
1: Yes, only one, and it was positive. Um, but for example, in Bern, we are not really sending so much CSF, or generally they get back negative. Um, So, we are a bit bored to send them and we just say, well, probably will be negative. So, we are not really sending them all the time anymore. Um, But yet, only one had a positive CSF. uh, That's very rare as well. And
2: -hmm. and in terms of seeing bacteria having a negative culture, but seeing intracellular bacteria on the CSF, was there any of that as well?
1: So, I don't know. We didn't look for that. Uh, specifically, so I don't know from these cases if there were some with uh, intracellular bacteria and and culture, but um, I, I have to say that I get some of these cases from the study, and I remember one of them that we see with bacteria uh, inside cells, and we sent bacteriology, and it was negative. So definitely that's possible to get negative results even
2: if you see uh, uh, intracellular bacteria. And the last one, it would be: Does any of these cat had some? I mean, CNS sign, long track sign, um, or they all had sign that would be consistent with the peripheral vestibular involvement.
1: So all were peripheral. That was one criteria. So because I I, I just based this um, this criteria on the um, on the paper that I said that well, when you think you get something central, generally it's central, and when you think that something it's peripheral, it could still be central. But um, generally, when you think it's central, it's it's rarely uh, peripheral. So we just took clinically the one that was uh, that were peripheral only, uh, and then we excluded the the one that gets intraaxial lesion on MRI. So basically,
2: the none were uh, central. Yeah, very good. We got uh, a question from Emil that Simon and I know very well. Um, Thank you, for, for your great presentation. Did you look at whether treatment with systemic corticosteroids had an effect on time from onset of sign to presentation to the referral center in um, mm. Media so in Canada? We,
1: we, we looked at that. Uh, it's, it's my slide when I said, well, um, th- there was different therapy. So we didn't look specifically for corticosteroids uh, without looking at antibiotics or uh, NSAIDs. Um, But for these groups, and you can see that there was not a lot of cases uh, per group, but when we looked at that, there was not really an influence of time to presentation. No, no, no. And all the the corticosteroids uh, dosage were anti-inflammatory, just also if it's something that for you can make sense. So there were none with a high dose of uh, corticosteroids. That's, uh, That's really worsened quickly.
2: I think some people may be wondering, will you suggest using anti-inflammatory corticosteroid in this case, in addition to antibiotic treatment and surgery, well, if there is enhancement?
1: Well, an yeah, so... Personally, now I'm I'm really more tend to use corticosteroids than NSAID, um, and I discuss also uh, a lot with dermatologists because they they also see a lot of cases like that and they like to give or at least some of them like to give uh, corticosteroids. Um, so I have to say now I would more go for corticosteroids in in such uh, etiology. Yeah, definitely.
2: Okay, at anti-inflammatory dosage. Please. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Good, good. Um, Another question from Joanne. To clarify some doubt about the study, I would like to know your opinion in choosing corticosteroids and said, we kind of, you know, cover that to some degree. And if, if I'm correct, you will prefer to use. But can I clarify, will you choose corticosteroid whether or not there is CSF or meningeal enhancement? Or if there is only or that is media and interna. Yeah. You stay away from uh, it.
1: Yeah, I think I think in all cases that could be that could be good uh particularly if the otitis uh, media interna is severe even if there is nothing in the csf and no meningial enhancement i would say for me or to me um this this otitis needs uh, a bit of uh, anti-inflammatory drugs so i would give anyway corticosteroids yeah cool. that was my next question
2: for our listener how long would you recommend to use them yeah so that's that's
1: a good question. So what I do now it's more uh, giving them for three weeks with uh, 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 reducing dosage every week. Um, so that's the plan that I use actually, but i I don't know if it's the the right one. It's more like now i I, I really tend to use this protocol
2: uh, I think it's it's okay and will you go will you push more for surgery? Or medical management or... so I
1: definitely always offer medical uh, management in uh, cases where there is no polyp when there is polyp I, I definitely uh, choose surgery but when there is no polyp I always try with medical therapy uh, if they receive already uh, let's say a standard uh, medical therapy and there was no improvement or worsening then I would suggest surgery but if that was not done before the referral I would definitely try with uh, with medical therapy and you can do also miringotomy, So sometimes you can uh, collect um, um, the the sample, but you can also uh, uh, clean the bulla, and sometimes it's also really helping them.
2: Cool. I think you know with uh, you know Kun. I think yeah. you know him very well. You had dinner with him. He yeah. um, I, I, I was wondering whether practically you would have recommendations for when to assess efficacy of medical treatment, and when it's not enough to recommend surgery? We kind of nearly brought that to some degree.
1: Yeah, it's hard. So um, now what what I recommend is to look really clinically, because I'm not sure that if you redo an MRI, you will get any answer. If the case is doing fine, is doing fine. And if you redo an MRI, probably the MRI will show less severe lesions, but you cannot um also um think that even if the mri is completely normal that it will not relapse when you stop the therapy so i think the the what we should try to find is the the correct therapy for these cases the length of therapy that would be uh the most interesting and then i would say if there is improvement or Well, if there is improvement, I would not recommend to redo an MRI, uh, definitely. But then if it's stable, you can always ask if you can redo the MRI after or before stopping the therapy, Uh, because if you do it before and there is still otitis media interna, probably you would go for surgery. Uh, If you don't do it and you stop the therapy, you don't know if there would be a a worsening or not. But if it's normal then in in the MRI and you still get a cat with vestibular signs, probably it could be also just sequelae and not really active process that needs surgery. So I I tend to more uh, wait with the therapy. And if there is improvement or if it's stable, I just look after stopping the therapy. If we should redo an MRI and go for surgery, if there is a worsening. So it's really,
2: for me, the clinic that
1: is important in such cases.
2: Very good. There is no other question. As I say, Guillaume, you know, I, I... to me, that's the kind of study I like. I like practical clinical study, which answer a question uh, or challenge, you know, practices that we've been doing. And um, so it's really um, up my, my street to some degree. Um, Simon, so I'll leave you the last word for this, uh, this evening.
0: Yeah, um, just before I get to that, just one, I have just one question just to clarify for, for the mm-hmm. listeners. When you're talking about abnormal CSF, you know, yeah. we, we have the protein assessment, the cell yeah. count assessment and the cytology. And sometimes yeah. we can have normal cell counts, normal protein, but an abnormal cytologic um yeah. cell Uh, distribution what 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 did specifically you look at there
1: so we we looked at the protein and the cell counts and we looked also at the the cytology so I I got results of cytology for all these cases uh, generally but there were some that were uh, done just out of hours, so I cannot get the cytology for all the cases that we had but the one that had Abnormal, uh, or abnormal CSF finding, meaning no increased, CS self, um, no increased cell counts, normal total protein, and then the cytology were looked and it was also normal. I didn't get the cases with abnormal cytology alone from the results that I get.
0: Yeah. Great, great. Well, thanks for clarifying. And, and overall, thanks so much, um, Guillaume, for, for this great presentation. Thanks to um, you for the invitation. Okay. No, no problem, it, it's our honor. Um, we we um, um, want to set this, this up so that the younger rising stars that a profession like yourself have a voice here for their publications and their studies. And um, you've been very brave coming on and, and discussing it and giving us your opinions and you've done a great job. So um, we really uh, want to thank you for that. Thanks also to everyone that's attended um, and thanks to Hallmark Advanced Veterinary Imaging for sponsoring. Uh, the next Journal Club is on April the 5th, um, so coming up soon, and, and we're going to be talking about MRI and oligodendrogliomas. Um, if you have a publication coming out soon, um, and it is on neuroimaging, and then please get in touch with us if you'd like to be on this Journal Club. So thanks very much to everyone, and we will see you again soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye everyone.